I don't want to be a martyr. Nor I. I want to live. That is good. For believing what you do, we confer upon you a rare gift these days. A martyr's death. The cross commands you. The blood of the martyrs commands you. I wrote them down in my diary so that I wouldn't have to remember. All right, we are doing something completely different today. And just as a heads up, I record all of these pretty much like I'm up to like two months in advance at the moment. I'm sitting in the chair right now, which means so the stuff you're listening to in October, I recorded in August or September. And in the process of doing that, I realized that I missed this date. And so I had things scheduled and recorded well into November and posted and realized, oh no. So if you're listening in the next couple of weeks, and I mentioned something from last week, and it's not from last week, it's because this got stuck in later on. And I know you don't care, but a little, little peek behind the curtain as to you know just how not great and powerful and wonderful I really am. But <clears throat> why am I doing something different? We're not talking about a whole lot of dead people, although technically we're talking about a bunch of dead people today. It is October 31st. It is Halloween, yes, but more importantly, it is the anniversary of Martin Luther nailing the 95 Theses to the castle church door at Wittenberg, kicking off the Protestant Reformation, whether he meant to or not. And one of the things that I like to do is be reminded and remind people that the heritage of Bible-believing faithful Christianity, which is what Protestantism was supposed to be, regardless of what modern-day Presbyterianism, Lutheranism, Anglicanism, and Methodism looks like on a lot of occasions, that history was not something that Luther invented in the 16th century. Was he grounded upon sola scriptura? Yes, but the solas of the Reformation— Sola gratia, sola fide, um, solus Christus, sola scriptura, sola scriptura, sola deo gloria. Did I leave one out? Oh well, if I did, I'm sorry. Are not things that they just came up with in the middle of nowhere. And by the way, say, uh, by grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone is revealed in scripture alone unto the glory of God alone. These are not things they just pulled out of thin air. These are things they understood based on their reading of both Scripture and the history of people who commented on Scripture. So I do know in the coming weeks um, we'll talk a little bit about some of the humanists of the Middle Ages and why that is important, and it is that foundation and that understanding of history that matters. So Luther is not just operating willy-nilly. You know my rules. If you're the first person at Luther's standpoint, if you're the first person in 1,500 years of New Testament exposition to come up with something, you're wrong. Luckily for us, Luther isn't. So, rewind. Girolamo Savonarola, it's a name more people should know, 1452 to 1498. Um, he's somebody we'll, you'll probably have an episode about in, in a coming few coming weeks, but he was a friar, he was a preacher, and he was hanged and burned. Why? Theological core. Judgment against sin is always coming. Mercy is to be found in faith to God. And absolution is not found in penance at the church. Absolution is found in repentance and faith. Jan Hus, who you'll hear about, 1372 to 1415. The clergy should be subject to the Bible. That was a radical claim of his. The sacraments do not remit sin, rather 
Christ remits sin by repentance and faith. The basis for your life and doctrine should be the Bible, not the church. And oh, by the way, because that is true, every Christian, catch that, every Christian should read their Bible. John Wycliffe, 1330 to 1384. He doesn't believe the Pope can absolve sin. Why? That's Christ's job, and Christ and Christ alone does that. And what is the authority for life and doctrine? The Bible. A failure to know your Bible, in Wycliffe's mind, was a failure to know Christ. Now that's what? That's uh, end of the 15th, beginning of 15th, and end of the 14th century. But wait, there's more. We have guys like Peter Waldo, 1140 to 1205. The atonement is only in Christ. Righteousness can only be granted by Christ. People are fallen. That would be a contradiction against uh, Thomas Aquinas, who will come later, who believes that reason remains unfallen. No, sin affects everything. And he called purgatory, Peter Waldo, he called purgatory an invented anti-Christ doctrine. Tell us how you really feel. Does any wonder that they uh, excommunicated him 10 years after he was dead, as if that had any ability? Um, one of my favorite guys in church history, Anselm of Canterbury, 1033 to 1109, theological cores. God is the standard of measurement for everything. Not the priesthood, not the bishops, God. Sin is present, and we will to sin, meaning you didn't just wake up one morning and be like, oh darn, I committed sin again. No, no, no. You wanted it. It is who you are. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because of that, the incarnation and the atonement are necessary. Justice from God would demand restitution, and therefore he rejects penance. You cannot bribe God. There is salvation only in repentance and faith. And the mercy and justice of God and Christ work hand in hand. Christ's accomplishment, Christ's incarnation leads to his atonement. He satisfies the justice of God and he proclaims and, pre and presents the mercy of God. But wait, these guys aren't coming up with this in thin air either. Let's go in the Wayback Machine. Boethius, one of my favorite guys, 480 to 524, was a Roman senator. He was actually consul. They executed him for treason. It's amazing how quickly the political winds will shift. Defends things like the hypostatic union, that Christ is fully God and fully man, that he is fully capable of eternally redeeming while fully capable of representing humanity because he is part of humanity. This is important. Augustine of Hippo, that's one most people would know, 354 to 430. Augustine can be a difficult person to read, although I would recommend getting some of his books, The City of God, um, the, uh, the Confessions, would probably do you well. But understanding people as a joining of soul and body, meaning you are not just meant for this mortal plane. The understanding that sin taints everyone and everything, which means grace and mercy are needed if one is to be saved. And because of that, the atonement is necessary. Just like Anselm, a penalty must be paid. The debt must be covered. John Chrysostom, 
someone more people should know about, 349 to 407, was Hermit was exiled because he was an anti-pagan iconoclast, meaning he wanted to destroy all manner of idolatry. And fun little note from church history, there are descriptions of what Christostom looked like in because he was a hermit and destroyed his health. He's basically a short, beady-eyed little man who spoke well and was wise in the scriptures and had big ears. So because of his bad health, his skin was palish, which is a polite way of putting it. So basically, John Chrysostom was the human version of Yoda in the 4th in the, uh, century, if you were ever wondering. Theological core? <coughs> Excuse me again. Literal Bible interpretation. What it says is what it means. Direct contradiction contradiction to the, uh, well, not euphemistic versions, but the, the taking the Bible out of context. The commitment to holy living and evangelism. In other words, you shouldn't be able to claim to be a Christian and live according to the course of this world, Romans 6. And your salvation is by grace through faith, and that in Christ alone. Athanasius, 296 to 373, was the big stalwart of the Arian controversy. And oh, by the way, the word just came back to me for um, Chrysostom. Literal Bible interpretation goes against the—and just went right out of my head again. Don't you love it when that happens? Oh my goodness, I, I apologize. <laughs> I had the word and I forgot it twice. There you go. Athanasius, all holding up against the Arian controversy, believes in the necessity of the Trinity, believes that humanity has fallen, and because of that, the Christ must come into humanity. Allegorical. I did, I'm going to say it before I forget it. That is what Chrysostom was opposing, the allegorical interpretation where you assign meaning, basically the births of deconstructionism. But anyway. Back to Athanasius, sorry. The incarnation is necessary because humanity can't. God must, and he must join himself to humanity directly for this to work. And therefore, reconciliation can only be found in Christ. Tertullian, 155 to 240. Freedom of religion is an inalienable right, and the Christian doctrine is the core of all of life. He believed in total faithfulness. His, uh, his great quote, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, and that only Christ's work is sufficient for salvation. Irenaeus, 130 to 202. True knowledge is found in Christ and in Christ alone. Christ redeems from sin. Scripture is our source of authority, and salvation brings reconciliation between God and people. And of course, my favorite early church father, who we have an episode about, Polycarp, 69 to 155. Theological core, authentic apostolic teaching is the only authority. It's a big fancy way of saying Scripture. Perseverance is a sign of saving faith, which James would agree with. Love of brethren, it's what Paul and Peter, by the way. Love of, love of brethren is the core of life. It is guiding and discipling one another that everything is held and demonstrated. Now, why do I give you this little rundown? Because this is where Luther stood in Christian. This is where you stand. We celebrate the martyrs because they are a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit overcoming fear of this world and the schemes of man. Also understand that these men are a demonstration of the work of the Holy Spirit, preserving truth, preserving scripture, preserving the church down through the ages, whereas the gates of hell will not overcome it. This is where we stand. This is the joy in which we operate in the place that we live day by day. Christian, you have heritage. 
You have a power from God, and you have a secure salvation in Christ and a future kingdom in glory with God. Rejoice, no matter how dark the day may be. The light is always shining. Until we meet again, read your Bible and do you good. Bye.